Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee in the fridge. Cheers. A little Sunday morning sip. Yes. I don't know why I still drink coffee at the level that I do. Because I know it's not good for me. Well, and it, it makes me feel like, ah. Well, it also tastes delicious. Yeah, that's probably the how much problem. Do, how much do you drink? I mean, honestly, like two cups a day. It's not crazy. It's not that much. It's not that much. So I had just... Um, cut down my caffeine consumption a lot. Like I used to be like really bad with it, like three cups of coffee in the morning and then a Red Bull on the way to work. I work like night shift. So at like 3 p.m. I'd have a Red Bull and then around six o'clock I'd make a pot of coffee and just drink it all night. And then eventually I realized that like during the weekends when I wasn't having all that extra caffeine, I would have like giant headaches and like couldn't hang because it like would feel really shitty. Uh, so I decided to just like cut it all back to one cup of coffee, like in a day, I just did that. And I had like migraines for so long and it took like two weeks to get rid of it. And now I'm a normal person. Congratulations, me. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the applause, Chloe, thank you for being here. For anybody that doesn't know you, why don't you give a quick rundown on who you are, what you do, and why we're here to chat today. Sure. I'm Chloe. I have a band called Anna Karina and a couple others, but we're not talking about those today. Okay. <laughs> and um, I don't know. We're here to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we've known each other for, I don't know, we've been acquaintances for a while yeah. and you've been an active member of the Pittsburgh music community for a very, very long time. And let's just start with how are you holding up in the COVID times? Uh, actually, I feel kind of in a way like privileged in that my life hasn't really changed a whole lot outside of like not going to shows. Like I never lost income. Like I didn't lose my job or anything like that. Um, everything has been pretty much the same for me, which on one hand is a bummer because I definitely wanted that time off in March because <laughs> I, I hate work and I hate yeah. capitalism and I hate like the dread of waking up every day and going, oh, great. Another day at work. Isn't that great? <laughs> But at the same time, like I said, I didn't lose income or anything. So it's all been pretty good. I just miss shows. I miss seeing friends on a daily basis and yeah, stuff like that. It's been like really, really interesting for me because I feel like my experience is the same as yours, mm -hmm. where honestly, it's been kind of rad having a lot of time to myself. Uh, there's a lot of frightening stuff happening that's impossible to avoid. Not that you should avoid it because, right. but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but in my like personal bubble and my creative brain space, I like honestly haven't felt this creatively healthy in a long time. If ever. Do you mean you're making more stuff? I'm definitely like, making more stuff. I feel like I'm giving the stuff more time to breathe and I just don't feel rushed by like the world, you know, I don't feel obligated to play shows that I don't really want to play. I feel like, you know, I probably only miss maybe 20% of 
of the shows that we were playing before because yeah. a lot of it is just like dog shit in the long run. <laughs> we're just like trying so hard, like, oh, maybe this will be the one, <laughs> but it never is. How, I don't know. How often did you play pre-COVID? Like once a month, twice a month or less? Probably like three or four times. Oh, really? But I have multiple projects. Oh, right, right. So yeah. that's the, you're always bouncing around yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, you know, it sucks. Like the only thing I think I missed the most was just like seeing people and, being able to catch up, but it's actually been a lot easier now because, you know, I get to hang out with people in like small groups because mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed to do. But that's better for me because I don't like large groups of people anyways. Yeah. 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 And I actually get to like talk with people. It's not like that, you know, the conversations you have at shows where it's like, yeah, we'll meet up sometime, but you never do. Yeah. It's like you're <laughs> yeah. actually just like hanging out and having some drinks and talking about life and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So with, Anna Karina, this is a project that, you know, has existed for some time, didn't exist for some time. Mm-hmm. Now it exists again. Yes. So what was the mindset and the reasoning for wanting to resurrect this project? Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about doing again for a long time. So like this band, I started this band when I was like a baby, like in like 2011 And like, I wrote a bunch of songs and stuff like that. There's been like nine iterations of like groups of people playing it, like nine iterations of band members and stuff like that over the years. Um, And then in 2014, um, I stopped doing the band. And I guess after that, lots of folks were telling me, um, no, 2015 actually, but that's not relevant. (laughs) But lots of folks were telling me to do it again, but I just, I didn't feel up for it. You know, when a band falls apart unexpectedly, uh, especially one that you've been trying to push for years and like work on for years, um, it becomes a little disheartening. So I didn't feel like doing it. Um, but then recently in my life, there's been like a couple of events, like life events that have happened that I felt like I needed to work through. And I didn't really have like a band that I could work through. That's my own emotional space, like scratchy blanket. I just play guitar and write songs in there, but those are like Shannon's lyrics yeah. and stuff like that. So that's their emotions and their feelings and things that they want to talk about. I didn't have something like that for myself. And I thought just like now's the time. Also, I had had recently seen Ostraka for the first time in several years. Um, and I used to see them well, all the time. And then I remembered how fun Screamo was. <laughs> and I said, okay, just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the one thing that I think is really cool about the band and you had sent me this track that you're going to be releasing or maybe by the time this podcast is airing it is available for people to hear we'll figure that one out it doesn't matter <laughs> sure. let's like let's make that call now is it can people listen to it now no no not no. yet okay <laughs> i don't know when this podcast will be out so i can't say if they'll be seeing this before they have heard it <laughs> okay well I heard the song because you kindly shared it with me and it was really cool to hear it because, you know, I, you know, we're acquaintances Mm -hmm. and my relationship with you musically, I think has been tied to scratchy blanket over the years because that's the only project I've seen you perform in. And then like, you know, like you like doing like amp demos on Instagram and stuff and just playing like fun little noodly things. Mm -hmm. And I forgot that there was like this, intensity 
<laughs> to uh, like you know whenever you sent it i was like oh yeah i remember anna crew was kind of like a screamo band and like but i didn't really remember what it sounded like and then i listened to it and i was like whoa like it's so like ah and i yeah, was like rad yeah. but it's cool because there's so much going on in the song it's like almost six minutes if not six minutes it's like yeah. a very long dense like composition of like all sorts of you know emotion yeah 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 so you know you're background in music and coming to find that style of music you know what was it like i guess just discovering screamo or just like screaming in music in general regardless of genre it was a kind of a revelation actually so like you had mentioned like scratchy blanket and like amp demos playing like silly like like dad music like on guitar and like silly stuff like that on instagram i kind of grew up listening to like Jimi hendrix and stuff like that and um kind of when I was like 19 or 20, someone had sent me, uh, I think it was Sweet Laloon. They had sent me Sweet Laloon. And I was like, wait, this is like way different, but also like way better. And like, I don't know. I don't really know how to put it, but I, I just remember the first time that I heard like a screamo band like that. I was like, oh, okay. You don't have to like necessarily like shred to like write music that's like emotional or like feels good or could resonate with people um i don't know so that that was my feeling of hearing that for the first time so you know that's you know i would say you know 18 19 20 as you had mentioned that's um an interesting time to find new music because your life is changing so much in that time frame you know that's like post high school maybe you're in college maybe you're not i'm not sure did you did you do school? i didn't go to college okay so yeah. you, I was like couch surfing for like <laughs> for years and years. So so like yeah, in the middle of all of this uncertainty of life, you discover this music that is in some ways like chaotically uncertain, but yeah. like emotional and very visceral. It's kind of like a a funny way. Like I think about like there's something about the music that you listen to obviously defines who you are as a person, regardless of like when you find it. Yeah. But there's something about the music that you find in that time frame that really like shapes you. And it's so yeah. interesting, you know, as a guitar player, I, you already mentioned I, you were probably playing guitar way before this. How did you get into playing guitar or just rock music in general? Um, I don't know. I guess I'd always listened to music since I was a, since I was like a kiddo, like some of my earliest, like, I, don't know, I wouldn't say earliest memories, but like when I, I just remember like when I was in fourth grade, I lived in this like small town in like the deep South in like Tennessee. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. And, um, I had one friend because I was the only, like, I was the only, realistically, I was the only Brown person in this small, tiny deep South school. And there was only like one person who really wanted to be my friend. And when we would hang out, we would just like sit in his room and listen to like corn and like cold chamber and all this yeah. stuff. Just like little brooding <laughs> nine year olds in fourth grade with like corn posters and black lights and incense, like just like feeling so tough. <laughs> so like <laughs> so like that's like what I was doing, like like growing up, just like listening to music and that being like a big part. But it wasn't until I was like fifteen years old when I went to another friend's house several years later, obviously. And um, this person had a guitar and that was actually the first time I had ever seen a guitar in real life. And um, I thought that was really cool because all the music that I listened to like had guitars in it. And it's obviously like a really iconic instrument. And uh, I picked it up and started noodling with it. And I taught 
myself a song, probably taught it to me incorrectly, but it was it was correct by my ear. At what that song time. was it? It was Ever in a Day by AFI. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tight. <laughs> yeah. So I had taught myself the beginning of that and I I, I don't know. It had just immediately clicked with me because I was interacting with this music that I loved and listened to all the time, but I was interacting with it in a different way that I was used to. And I loved that. I felt more a part of these of this activity that I used to love doing. Like mm-hmm. Passively absorbing music was something that I like to do. Now I'm actively in- absorbing it. I'm sort of like making it myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I came home and I asked my dad for a guitar and he said no. And, (laughs) and, um, but it turns out that he was just trying to fool me. Two weeks later, I came back from some trip that I went to and there was like a guitar in my room and he said, surprise. Hell yeah, dad. (laughs) Yeah. That rules. Yeah. So, you know, over the years of starting to play guitar and learn the instrument, you know, something that I've observed with you as a player, I feel like there are, guitar players who like they let the instrument control them and like their abilities are really like hindered because like they don't there's like a certain comfort level that you could tell that they don't have with the instrument but i feel like you're the complete opposite like i feel like you really understand how to like talk with a guitar and talk through a guitar just with like your feeling and your nuance and like, I'm honestly surprised that you haven't been playing guitar since you were like three. Oh, really? Yes. That's going to make, I'm going to cry now. That's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's like, I, I, I'm really, really surprised by that. So, and also like having, cause I would have been like, not surprised to find out that like, oh, like I had, you know, musical parents. I grew up in a musical family and like I was had Jimi Hendrix records thrown at me when I was like, you know, five <laughs> and things like that. But uh, it came from AFI. I think think if there's any reason why I have any sort of like confidence in like in my guitar playing is probably because for a couple of reasons. um, Well, like I said, when I started playing, it was like such a revelation that I could interact with this music in a new way. But also um, I was really scared of growing up and being an adult and just like, like I remember like just seeing my dad work all the time and like, he didn't have a summer break like we had as like kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, okay. And I was like, shit, that's scary. Like, I don't want to be a victim of capitalism <laughs> when I get older. So I'm just going to play all play guitar all the time. And hopefully I get good enough at guitar to avoid capitalism and like be a guitar player for a living. Uh, that didn't work out. I am uh, still a victim of capitalism. But I think <laughs> if anything, it just made me become better at guitar because I was so desperate to escape what looked so scary getting older and having to work all the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I sense? mean, it's, it's, it's an inevitability of just the way the world is right now. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, accept it, but it's just kind yeah. of the situation. You know, I have this conversation a lot with people, especially musician friends of mine that are like, Hey, I want to be able to make a living off of music. And it's like, not even Kanye West is making a living off music anymore. So it's like really hard for people in our position, but there are ways that we can get through and find some way to like monetize our creativity to support ourselves. But then you're also walking a tightrope because when does your creativity and your passion become your job? Yeah. And then like, fuck now, like I can't like pick up this guitar because I love doing it. I like have to. Yeah. Yeah. I I think at this point though, like I'm 
like I'm like totally okay with where like are in like music is in my life and this like microcosm versus like other aspects of my life and mm-hmm. things like that. So I'm like, I'm not like torn up that I'm not like a professional musician or anything like that. I don't know. I like my job actually. So that's a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it's really easy as a creative to get this idea in your head and romanticize the the life especially as like a teenager yeah 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 and as you get a little older or wiser whether it's like through years or age or just general experience because there are some people that definitely grew up a lot quicker than others regardless of age uh coming to terms with just like finding like happiness and support and like having a good bubble around you i feel like to want much more than that is like reasonably selfish and I try really hard to not be selfish and yeah, yeah. take the things that I have for granted. It's like, you know, I have a job that I like. I have people in my life that I like and mm-hmm. friends. And that's a lot more than a lot of people. Like, that's not something to take for granted. But a lot of people do. Yeah. Before guitar, what, if anything, was like a creative outlet for you? Um, I don't really think I had much. Like, sometimes I would like, sit down and try to draw but that's like elementary school or sure. like middle school like drawing like dragon ball z characters hell yeah and being like showing it to people and i was like <laughs> that's great but i don't think i really had much of a creative outlet okay yeah. so then it starts with guitar then i uh, will just say yeah so at some point it goes beyond playing guitar beyond playing afi and cold chamber songs yeah, yeah. i don't know if you ever learned any cold chamber <laughs> songs but uh eventually it gets into like oh i'm going to write songs i'm going to write lyrics i'm going to make noises with my mouth <laughs> you know what was that experience like just starting to take this to the next the next level and like it's one thing to be like a guitar player, but also to be like, well, I'm going to put a band together. I'm going to front a band. I'm going to write songs. That's scary. Yeah. Very vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't, I don't really know. I never really thought about it in that way before, probably because I don't think there was ever a, like a light bulb moment or anything like that, where it was just like, now I'm going to write songs. I think it was just kind of the natural progression of just playing music and you just, you just somehow get there. I don't know. I never really thought about it, but I do know that when I first started like writing songs and trying to write my own stuff, it was, it was very daunting and difficult. And I think that, um, I think that the reason for that is being afraid of other people judging you, you know what I mean? And just being like, what, what if I write a bad song? What if I like this song, but it's actually bad and I don't know it and I'm not in on the joke, you know? Sure, you sure, like- sure. It's like, I always, it's like that, uh, and this is always like a mean example to say, but it's like the friend that has an ugly kid, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's just yeah, like, and you're like, this is my child. And everyone's like, oh, that is a child. Yeah. I think. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's exactly like that there's no difference <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I think it's super i mean that's natural i think that honestly you're in a much healthier position being like that instead of the opposite that would be like everything that i'm doing is great and i am a walking god on earth <laughs> listen to me <laughs> yeah um i don't know i i actually really don't have a lot of confidence in my 
ability to like write songs or write like music that resonate with other people. And I think recently within the last couple of years, I've sort of tried to find ways to like just be more comfortable with that. Sure. Just be like, okay, well at this point I should just write songs that are enjoyable for me to play and for me to write and for me to hear. And um, that takes a lot of pressure off myself for writing songs. Cause then, like I said, I don't really worry about like what, like, people on reddit are gonna say about it or like what like some reviewer will say about it mm-hmm. like on their like blog or something like that so it, I, I think it actually makes it a lot easier to write songs when you sort of let go of being worried about how the song will be received yeah i i, I try to keep the mentality of like i don't care what you call me just call me <laughs> like if, <laughs> if you're talking about me cool like if you yeah, don't like yeah. it that's fine it's like i that's you know, I would much rather a negative feedback than no feedback at all. Like you pour your heart and soul into something and you just put it out there and people are like, <laughs> I can't say anything about this. I don't care. Like, wow, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> that really burns. But with you as a guitar player, I find that in my experience, it's hard sometimes for people that can play that are technical to just like maybe understand that songwriting is a conversation between you and the listener. Mm -hmm. And if you're speaking in a language that only a limited amount of people can understand, like a musical language, it's going to be hard to make those connections with the listener and finding that balance between like, Oh, I want to write something original and unique, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be like next level playing or, you know, maybe I don't need to spend three months trying to get the perfect guitar tone yeah so everybody can listen to this on their mono cell phone speaker right right (laughs) yeah um i don't know i definitely think there's a balance but maybe some people might disagree with me but i don't think that music has to be groundbreaking for it to be good someone just has to like it yeah like i think that's like the most important thing like i think about a lot like I don't know, like think about a song that you absolutely hate, just like any song at all that you absolutely detest and think, why would someone listen to this? Why would someone write this song? Like just makes you mad thinking about it. Like that is several people's favorite song. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you can look at that as like, oh, well that's just because people like have no taste. They're classless like plebs or like something like that. But at the same time, you could also look at it as like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. People like stuff. And you know what? Like if you like your song, someone else will probably like it too. So just write it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that there's, you know, introducing (laughs) the concept of empathy into your musical understanding will help you as a songwriter and help you understand why people like the things that they do. My least favorite song of all time is all I want to do is have some fun by Sheryl Crow. (laughs) I absolutely detest that song. There's nothing wrong with the song. It's just one of those things. It's just like, there's that stupid twangy guitar (laughs) in it. And like, she's like, like half like rapping, half singing in the verses. It just has that. Like, it's so like, Oh well, here's the thing. I think that song rips <laughs> every time I hear it. I'm like, hell yeah, me too, Cheryl. Like, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, that's like coming from like you know, 20 year old Brian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I can listen to it and I could be like, you know what? This is catchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine, and yeah, it has a good vibe. Like, why am I gonna be a brat about this? <laughs> you know what song that gets on my nerves more than any other song? 
taking care of business by whoever the hell made it. <laughs> when I was a kid, I always thought they were saying taking care of biscuits. So uh, my dad was. Does that mean me, like like eating the biscuits really fast? That, like, I'm taking care of these, or just like literally just making sure the biscuits are in good health. You know, I don't know, but as a kid, I would always run around the house just screaming, taking care of biscuits. <laughs> I don't know exactly what or why I was doing that. But. Amazing. I also kind of feel like that song is the same exact song as Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith. Okay. Who I have always thought Aerosmith is a parody band, but I'm not sure who they're parodying. I think it's just yeah, a general parody. There is something phenomenally weird about Aerosmith. So, so yeah, we were recently on a a little bit of a, a road trip thing. Not really. We just drove to West Virginia and stayed in a cabin. But in the Sounds car, nice. uh Spotify playlist going off the rails and it played uh <laughs> Shut Up and Dance by Aerosmith. I don't know. It's not it, it's more one. of a deep cut. Ooh. But it's uh it's like I think it's the opening track on their album that has like that has like dude looks like a lady and all their like big big songs but the production and the songwriting it's so weird it's such an uncomfortable song like i can't believe these are humans and i can't believe this is like you know like oh this is uh rock i don't know but i guess rock could be anything it's just what yeah. an interesting they're just a weird band yeah yeah they have a roller coaster at Disney World. What? Yeah, the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. That's so weird. This just like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand. Like, like are you a, are you really like a musician, an artist? Like at that point, like I don't, like I don't get it. That that's probably like a weird. I don't know what I'm trying to say or how to put it, but just like think about like all your artist friends or people who are in bands and like they're making their music and the way they feel about songwriting. But then there's Aerosmith who has a roller coaster made out of them. Like, or, or whatever named after them. Or yeah. Like, does that even feel like a band? Like, it's like. It does transcend. It turns into something else. You know, I think that they have, there is like a, a quality to it. That's kind of like a kiss or like a, you know, like you could buy Aerosmith action figures. I'm, I'm sure there's a, a Steven Tyler action figure oh, somewhere. I'm certain. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely becomes like a brand outside of itself. Yeah. I'm looking it up by the way. <laughs> I could, we could actually probably just look it up on here. If oh, we would yeah. like to. Let's go to Google. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm, I'm looking at it and I, I can't wait for you to see it as well. Steven Tyler action figure. I'm going to. All right. Oh wow. There's some good ones. Let's just go on shopping. Ooh. I want to know what I could buy right now. <laughs> Okay, so this is like Look, a... There's double branded Aerosmith and Simpsons. Wow, yeah. That's pretty cool. Hold on. This one right here, the Funko Pop. Yeah, how'd you know which one is... That looks like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> 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 that does, actually. That's really fucking funny. Holy shit. Who's uh, that? Oh, Travis Scott. There's Travis Scott. There's an Iggy Pop. You can get the Steven Tyler photo collage pillow. I have that one. Oh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing about Aerosmith is in their classic rock days, I think that they were writing really, really cool stuff. Um, some interesting, fun, classic rock. And then they, over the years, just turned into a pop rock band. Yeah. Oh, they did that song that uh, I don't want to miss a thing. 
Yeah, oh. yeah. That song, I think I might hate more than the Sheryl Crow song. Okay, that's yeah, that's really fair. And especially that big yell at the end. Yeah. You know which one I'm talking about, the iconic I yell. Wanna <laughs> Thanks, I didn't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they are 1,000% like pop rock, but like to the like on a level that I don't know if many other bands have really achieved, which in some, yeah. <laughs> in some interesting way is like kind of like admirable just from like, you know, like, well, they found a niche and they carved it. Sure. And, you know, as a songwriter yourself, you know, you can maybe agree with this, that like writing simple songs like that is hard. It's hard to find, you know, dude looks like a lady is like, okay this is a dumb idea for a song yeah, yeah. but it is in it's like it's so catchy the dumb little cowbell all the stuff <laughs> that's in that song like every single part of that song is a hook yeah and that's the interesting thing i think about aerosmith songs is that like the intro vert everything everything is a hook yeah and that's like you don't have to find aerosmith inspiring but I think as a songwriter in general, something that I try to do is try to make every little part of a song catchy. You don't yeah, want to have yeah. that like the don't bore us, get to the chorus thing like yeah. in your song. You just want it to be like, well, you don't. Good. Want, yeah, you don't want a moment to go by where there isn't something to latch on to. Yeah. Or like just like filler stuff. I like yeah. it always bothers me when I'm listening to stuff and you can just tell it's like this everything about this part is uninspired. Yeah. Why is this here? Oh, it's just to get from one part to another part, right? A better part. Yeah. <laughs> or at least add something to that part to make it good. Mm-hmm. Or, um, well, to have something to latch onto. With, I think. with you and songwriting, like, okay, like we'll, we'll go, let's jump to Anna Karina uh-huh. and that track that you had sent me. I do not remember the name of it and I apologize. Uh, we are passing. That's it. There yeah. you go. Uh, what was the process for writing that song like? Because this is a lot different than an Aerosmith song. Yeah. <laughs> there is, you know, it's probably the length of three Aerosmith songs <laughs> and it has, you know, enough parts for like almost an album's worth of music, which is cool. But like, you know, what is the process like for putting something together like that for you? So the way that song came together was it's, um, it was, I don't know. I had written the song in full before sending it to other folks. So this whole EP was done over the internet. So I sent it to everyone else and it was, the song was completed and a single guitar part, well, two guitar parts really were done. I sent it to them and uh, the rest of the band members added their stuff and sent it back to me. And then I retracted my guitar parts to make everything kind of fit together. Just put all the pieces together and a way to make it feel more complete as if we were all working together. Mm-hmm. But writing the song, that song actually came linear, linearly in a linear way, <laughs> which like, I'm sure, you know, sometimes you write a song and like, you kind of write the end first sometimes, or you have this riff and you go, Oh, that were, that would be great at the end of a song. And then you just sort of work things there. This was like intro first. And then the next section was the next thing I wrote. Yeah. Like stuff like that. When you're putting like this track together, you know, whenever I'm writing music, since I primarily work in electronics, um, it's like I'm already writing in a DAW, like as I'm going or like I'm starting to like get my drum parts together and I'm like seeing it. And if I'm like, oh, I want to try putting this verse here or Mm -hmm. I want to double this, it's really easy for me to do it. When you're writing, are you writing in a similar way, like just into a computer with parts? 
it depends. I have found recently that I'm doing that more often. But what I used to do, I shit you not, is have note cards and <laughs> write all my sections down on note cards so that I can actually move them around, like visually. Oh, so hell I, yeah. Yeah, so like, just like, it, for for benefit of making it easier to see, like, well, you just use pop structure. Like, I'll have intro, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus. Yeah. And that will be like, like five or six note cards or whatever. And then I'd be like, well, what if I moved this here instead and went like this? And then I would try to play the song along with what I have. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That used to be a thing. But now that... um. I'm I'm doing with a dot. I don't really uh, have to do that. But yeah, I mean, I could still do the same thing. On the, the second track on the Santa Karina EP, I had sent the song to everyone and got the instruments back. And now there's this one section that used to just be kind of how you mentioned before, a section to get you to somewhere else, just like a brief moment. But based off what the instruments were doing, I'm like, oh, this isn't just like a quick pass into something else. This is now a section. So I had to like cut things and edit and yeah. double things. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just like do stuff like that. And now I like made it longer. That's also a six minute song. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> cool. What has your experience with self-recording been like? Um, I don't know how long you've been self-recording. If you've released things that you've self-recorded before, I'm not like familiar with your production process prior to this. Are you asking like how much like I've, done self-recording yeah 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 yeah. i've done it a lot i've been i I guess i've been doing it for like 10 years but not on any level you know you just get a dog and get a couple mics and you just figure it out as you go but last year i had um started like uh audio production classes at ccac oh cool um which has been pretty helpful for that and like now i have pro tools and stuff like that so I don't know. I'm more comfortable with it and it feels pretty like second nature at this point. Do you enjoy having that control over being able to record yourself? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's not even so much like a creative thing as it is like a money thing. Sure. <laughs> Cause it costs a lot of money to like go to a studio and have something to do because of like time. And then you feel rushed cause you're like, I'm paying 35 bucks an hour to be here or sometimes more or something like that, or like 300 bucks a day. Like I need to get everything out today. Yeah. Whereas if you could do it all all at home, you're not charging to be in your bed. You're not being charged to be in your bedroom, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And I think too, like, cause you're someone that I assume is a bit of a tone nerd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like if you really want to dive into that, like diving into like, recording and like mic placements and like really learning like you know oh just because this sounds good to your ear doesn't mean it sounds good to the microphone or the speakers and like learning how to adjust for like to get what you really want yeah um i'm actually finding that with guitar when i'm recording i don't give that much of a shit about (laughs) the guitar tone nice when i'm recording just something good something passable um because it's not that big of a deal and also like i'm finding that Guitar tones that sound good on recordings typically sound like shit in isolation because just by the nature of how you fit things together exactly. when you're mixing and stuff like yeah. that. So it's not, I'm not that concerned about it. I think for me personally, the most important thing is uh, the drum sound more so than the guitar tones. So the drum sound and like, I guess the vocal sound too, but I really think like the snare is like the one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. 
I don't have any reason to back or way of backing that up as fact, but I don't know. That's just what I find myself being more concerned about. Sure. I think it's, you know, a re- the inevitable result of someone who has listened to too much music. Cause I have the same problem. <laughs> like I'm listening to stuff and I'm like, wow, I really want to like this album, but I hate the way the snare sounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, it could be any sort of instrument, but normally with me, it is drums as well. I think that it's such an important backbone of rock music and like my, the other side of my, the yin to my yang, which would be hip hop. I mean, that's all drums. Yeah. Yeah. What's hip hop without drums? Yeah. I think, well, you hear the snare more than any other instrument. I think, I, I mean, like a lot of songs, like if the guitar is cut out most of the time that like the snare is still going or the drums are still going or like, things like that. So it's just ever present mm-hmm. all the time. And I think it also can change uh the sort of like character or personality of a song based oh, on yeah. the drum sound. Totally. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I am finishing up mixes for the Normal Creatures album and I completely changed all the drums on it in in the past month. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a thousand times heavier just from replacing the kick and the snare sounds Mm -hmm. just because I just gave it more punch. And I feel like the drums, it's like, that's the thing that the listener feels Yeah, like really like, you know, you can, you know, the right beat will just kind of get your head moving. You could feel it in your chest. It gets you like going. Like I feel this song. You can make something sound really, really aggressive or really, really light. But yeah, if the drums aren't, slapping in the way that they need to slap yeah or not slapping yeah like if they if the drums need to just be like a little more relaxed based off the nature of what's happening in the song if you have it slapping too much Mm -hmm. it kind of throws off like the whole feel of the song and the whole color yeah i've had that issue with you know with sykes and the new violence we've had a half dozen live drummers Mm -hmm. throughout the years because everybody's kind of pops in and out because it's my thing and that is have friends that are kind enough to learn songs right Same thing with anacrina yeah <laughs> i understand that for uh sure. and uh i've had some drummers where it's like you're a really good drummer but not for this style of music and like they're playing the song technically right but the feel is completely off yeah yeah and i have found that you kind of i sometimes forget how big like feel is like until there's like a different drummer playing a song that I've been playing for a long time, you know? Yeah. Play with one drummer for like several months and then you start playing with someone else. And it's like, like you said, they're playing the same exact thing that they should. The kick is at the right spot. The snare is at the right spot, but there's just, it's just a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's so, I don't know how to describe it. What the hell is feel? (laughs) Yeah. I think that it's, it's, it really, it makes all the difference, but it's something that it takes an unfortunately long time to, I don't even say learn. I would say realize because I don't think you learn it because yeah. like, you know, that feel is everything in your life. I mean, we were born with feelings. Yeah. We're not born with an interest in music or the ability to play music, but we have feelings. But to realize how the feelings connect to the music it's always like, Oh yeah. Yeah. For and sure. then you try to incorporate that into the songwriting. And like I was talking about with songs being a language and trying to communicate with the listener and blah, 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 blah. So outside of Anna Karina, outside mm-hmm. of scratchy blanket, outside of 
all of these, you know, music things that you have done or that you are working on. Mm -hmm. Is there anything musically that you have not pursued any sort of style or any ideas that you hope to do one day? No, not really. Like, <laughs> no, I used to, um, shit. No, I like, I like everything I'm doing and I'm doing everything that I want to do. The only thing really that I wanted to do for a long time was Anna Karina after 2015 when the band, uh, broke up and I wanted to start again. And now I started again. <laughs> yeah. And there's really, no, there's, there's nothing else that I'm looking for. In terms of your consumption of music outside of the music that you create, do you find yourself listening to music that is, you know, reminiscent of the projects that you play in? Or are you one of those people that like listens to like stuff that's wildly different? No, I generally stick with what the stuff that I want to play would want to play myself, uh, which could be bad. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Um, I I used to think that my tastes were really like vast and big uh, until I started. I don't know, until I realized that my friends just had wider tastes, <laughs> you know, and then I said, <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, I'm kind of a basic bitch. Like, I just listen to the same couple styles and that's about it. In fact, the same couple records <laughs> over and over and over. So <laughs> I think that's pretty normal. You know, even most of my friends that, you know, the people that I would consider like, oh, these are they're the friends that anytime you're around them, they're like, Hey, have you heard this? Or they're sending you links to stuff. That's like, I've like, wh what is like, how do you find out about this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But you could be in the car with them and it's always, you know, the same three or four just old metal records. Yeah. But, uh, you know, back to a point that you had said that we kind of skipped over, but I want to get back to it sure. in terms of like, songs it's okay like maybe it's okay if songs aren't unique or every song doesn't have to be like groundbreaking groundbreaking that was that was what you had said and um i agree and i think that i always compare like songs to like you know sandwiches i guess <laughs> you know like a, a song or a sandwich it's a simple concept you can go anywhere and get a sandwich it's gonna be a little bit different but most people they're not gonna like be nuanced like oh you know like this rye isn't as good as the rye that i had at this other place or whatever yeah like the average listener the average sandwich eater they want a sandwich you're just going to get a sandwich and then they're happy and i feel like mm -hmm. that's the way that most people consume music they don't consume music in the way that i do and maybe you do where it's like well we already talked about it like the snare drum you know like yeah and all that stuff what I, you know, now that you mention it, I just thought about this um, video that I saw forever ago. It's just like a viral food video. And it was, <laughs> it was, what was it? This restaurant had an egg roll, like a, like from a Chinese restaurant, but it had like pizza stuff in it instead. Okay. And everyone was like freaking out about Isn't it. Isn't that just a pizza roll? Like those exist, right? Sort, yeah, sort of. It's yeah. <laughs> like not like a little pizza pocket. I don't know. It's like, like a, a hot whole, pocket. Yeah. It's like a whole different thing because you have like a different, I don't I, know. I, yeah, I know. It's just different. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like, so that was a thing. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is like sometimes if you're trying to be groundbreaking, it just means taking a different genre convention and bring it into bringing it into a genre that you're doing yeah so yeah, yeah. it's we've all had pizza we've all had egg rolls we haven't had them together now it's new yeah you know what i mean and sometimes you could do that same thing with music whether it's song structure or like tones or um 
I don't know, it's just any aspect of music that isn't in a specific genre, mm-hmm. you know, like genres, have, what makes a genre, this thing, that thing, and that thing. Um, in, in another genre, you have this thing, let's put it in here instead. Yeah. Or just swap out this one for another thing. Yeah, there's know? ways to do it tastefully and there's ways to do it poorly. And I think that that's what makes, you know, songwriters, I don't want to say good or bad, because yeah, I think yeah. all songwriters are bad, probably. <laughs> um, but I think it's just what, like, how you push the envelope. Because, yeah, you can do an egg roll and pizza, and that makes sense. It's different and fun and familiar enough. Yeah. But then, you know, it's all like, oh, like, ice cream and ranch dressing. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. pass on this one. Uh, so... It's it's always fun to like figure out like what can work and how to just like I think that I think the most important thing is to just like unapologetically be yourself creatively. Yeah. yeah. And just own it. Yeah. And I think that people will gravitate towards it. Like it doesn't even have to be good or mm-hmm. bad. I think that like if it's like, especially now with all the social media and stuff, I think so many people are listening to music like beyond the music itself. Like people want to be like your online friend and they want to, it's like your character is so much of your music, which is like strange for me because I'm kind of an introvert and I don't really like want to be anybody's fucking friend. <laughs> but at the same time, like I totally get like, if you are like, you can write like brooding, depressing, leave me alone music, you know, like a like a Lil Xan or some rapper like that. But yeah. if you look at their social media, they're all like, hey, I'm out here and I'm actually fun. <laughs> so it's like you can write like, you know, music about whatever you want. But I think it's important just to be like an actual human being and be able to connect with people and be accessible and be open, which is frightening. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is relevant, but um, I I don't know. Most of the people that listen to the music that I make are, are just people that I know personally. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of takes away some of the, um, well, number one, some of the, I'm so good at making music like ego thing that you could sometimes like fall victim to, but also it takes off some of the pressure that like, like my homies are going to like my music just because they like me and they're proud of me for doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, so it's like, I don't know Then I'll just write my song. I don't know. My, my, um, my reach is pretty small. So just have that sense of proportion, sense of perspective and just write the damn song. I yeah. Know. I think that that's a good spot to be in. I try to be very realistic about, you know, what this is and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I, I've been doing this plenty long enough that, you know, I don't think some sort of surprise rocket's going to be propelling me anywhere right, anytime right. soon. But uh, I think just in general, it's interesting just to like see how other people operate in the music scene. And I'm doing this podcast and I'm talking to people all the time. It's just interesting to know how like artists brains work. It seems like you're in a fortunate enough position where like you've just focused on the art and the creativity and like you're kind of fuck whatever else. Like I'm not fucking worried about it. Yeah. I mean, I've had conversations with people where it's like I can talk to them for like two minutes about music and two and a half hours about social media marketing. And it's like, wait, aren't you a musician? Yeah. I, what is this? I, I don't understand that. I don't know how to release music. I have I've never, I've never done it right. I've always just like, 
I know people say there's no right way to do it. Uh, I think there probably is, though. I do know that, I don't know, all I've ever done was just like put something on Spotify or put something on Bandcamp and then post the status about yeah. it. And you know what I mean? And then people are like, no one's going to listen to that because the algorithm's going to fuck you over. Yeah, like, I, well, feel- I don't know. I, that's what I did. Uh, now the album's out, I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, like, I think the only way, the only answer to saying the proper way to record or release music is money to be completely honest sure. with you either we, we, you either you hire a, a pr person to like send emails out that people will actually open mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you have a label behind you that hires the pr person for you that's really it yeah. like you can do what so many people have done what i've done where you do the you do the work yourself. You know you can send the emails yourself. You can make up your own fake manager thing. Like oh, you know, Jeff and I'm I'm Brian's manager, but just me. <laughs> because like you know, people get these ideas where like you can like trick people into listening to your music, but you really can't. Yeah, it's like most. Pe- it's like I don't have the time of the day to open up all the emails that I get. And this is just like a, Oh, you bought a DVD from us three years ago and we're still sending you emails or like, you know, the light company, like watch your electricity use 20% more this week. Like that's the bullshit I get. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I'm just a normal boring turd. It's like, you think of all these, (laughs) all these fucking people that like run blogs, you know what I mean? Like you don't like, like, you know, Sarah, whatever at Pitchfork, like the only email that Sarah's getting today is you and your band. Right, right. It's not happening. Yeah. But, you know, there's the people in those places that have like their trusted sources where it's like, oh, I've hired uh, Bill and Ted's PR company, right? And Sarah Pitchfork knows that, you know, Bill and Ted's PR company does work with people and she trusts that email. So there you go. And it's like, that's in my experience, that's a long-winded answer of just like if you want to release an album and get a lot of people to listen to it you got to pay for it so i have a question actually so we had spoken we had said that like i think you said something like um i know at this point that there's not going to be no special rocket to blast me into the next stratosphere of like people listening to your music or whatever but um so i kind of feel that same way too so what i have been trying to like figure out and like it's not really that important but i'm just trying to figure out like why do i care how many people listen to it or how big my reach is when i know that there's going to be no special rocket why i don't know like why am i excited to find out that a a popular blog is going to premiere the single you know like something like that when i know that that's not like a big special thing like i don't really know why like i'm comfortable with the fact that my my reach is what it is and that my band is what it is in terms of like what the reach um but also i still think it's cool so i don't i don't really know do you know what i'm trying to get at yeah i think that there's something that's you know it goes into i think the human elements of us because outside of musicians we're both human beings and i think there's just this thing in our heart or whatever we have that helps us process emotion and it's nice to know that other people give a fuck about what we're doing sure even if it may not be a huge deal you know what i mean like if uh sarah from pitchfork i don't even know if th- that person exists <laughs> by the way i'm just like throwing this out there sure. you know where to post something about my album or i can even take this to like 
you know, I have been, you know, written about in different papers and different radio stations have played our stuff. And it's always like, I see it and I'm like, that's great. Like, it's cool that somebody in Oklahoma came across our song and is playing it on the radio. Like, I feel very thankful for that, but I try not to let that thankfulness trend, like get turned into like delusion of like, Oh, well, I got to get to Oklahoma as soon as I can and play a show because I'm, I must be really big in Oklahoma (laughs) or, you know, or if, you know, something happens where, you know, I get like, you know, on the cover of city paper, like that was a member that scratchy blanket had a city paper cover. And like, that's awesome. Like people are recognizing and taking the time to, you know, highlight the project and write, write up an article and stuff. And like, that's awesome. But Next week, somebody else is on the cover and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, the way I think about that is like you said, I'm, a, I'm really grateful to be there to, to have had that. And that was cool and exciting. But, um, the photographer came over to me and Shannon's house, took pictures for the cover to be on city paper. And I went to, I still went to work the next day. Oh, you sure. know what I mean? It's just like, it was like cool, but also like, you really didn't really change much. It was just like, oh, yeah. Neat, you yeah, know? I had. Um, recently on the podcast, I had uh, Alan Cassidy, who's the drummer of the Black Dahlia Murder. They're a very big death metal band. Uh-huh. Huge. Yeah. Like one of the biggest on the planet. Very big. Like next level, like, <laughs> you know, like bonkers big. <laughs> and the episode did a little bit more than an average episode of mine does. Mm-hmm. You know, like if a video like like this, I, this video on Facebook will probably have like around 2000 views. I'm guessing that one had like five, you know, and it's just like one of those things where it's like, okay, that's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's, it blows my mind that I can record a conversation with a friend and put it on Facebook and anybody watches it at all. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. But you know, I've been doing this for five years. I've, released over 350 episodes. I know what this is. I know how it works. I've talked with people from all different bands. Like it could be whether it's, you know, somebody that is just getting started or somebody like Alan, who's in one of the hugest metal bands on the planet, or like, you know, I've had a, the old vocalist from that real friends band on the show. And they're a really big pop punk band, Mm -hmm. huge. And like those things don't change the podcast. Like it's like, the the show just is what it is like in the way your music is what it is and sometimes people will come in and check things out but they don't really stick around and why should i expect them to yeah. you know and i'm just happy people were showing up at all i guess like i said at the beginning like i don't i don't care what you call me just call me like i'm just <laughs> happy that people yeah. are here yeah i guess i guess the validation just feels nice <laughs> totally it's a yeah. human thing yeah i think that it's really easy to forget as a creator and like you know like people think that all of these problems that musicians have are like so unique to being a musician or being an artist and it's not you're just a human being yeah you're right and like you're putting yourself out there in like this really like vulnerable way you know it's and then trying to like think about that and be empathetic to the people around you that aren't creative and like how they like what their their life is like for some people it's like the way that you might be like hey i worked on this album check this out you know that's like the equivalent of like you know 
Aunt Sally's casserole sure. or something like that. And like, you know, Aunt Sally's real stoked to bake this casserole and you gotta be like there for them in the way that you would be there for a friend that released the record. Like, yeah. yo, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't know. No, I guess, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess when you just take it outside of like musician only, I guess just people just get stoked about the things that they did. They just want mm-hmm. other people to be excited with them, even just for a moment. Even just for the moment that they tried that one bite of the casserole. It's kind of like the same thing. I put out the song. Listen to it. What do you think? Oh, it's great. Yes. Uh (laughs) You know? And next song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it's important just to kind of like move on. I think it's really interesting. Oops. I pulled up the the Aerosmith figures again. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, With being an independent artist, there's this thing where I think we allow ourselves to kind of wallow in our work a lot more than I think somebody that is a little bit more successful as mean? an artist. Like say, say I'm, I am a Lil Nas X. I can release a song and I know it's going to do well. You know, you have your PR people to handle it for you. You release it. It fades into obscurity after a couple weeks, but then you, it's like whatever. But for us, it's like we're like constantly sometimes trying to get people to listen to something that maybe we put out like two weeks ago, two months ago. And it's like you're like constantly like latched on to this material where you can't just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're still trying to get people to hear it. Whereas somebody that's really successful has the ability to just put something out and then move away from it and they can focus on the next things. And sometimes as a result, it makes it really hard for us to be consistent because we're trying to do so much ourselves. Like we're trying to write new music, record new music, release it. But also like it could be really discouraging when something that you released two months ago, two years ago, people haven't listened to it and there's still this part in your brain. It's like, well, maybe if I just email some more people or maybe if I make another post about it, or maybe if we film a, a video or something like it can get really like it can stop you from growing because it's harder to let the material just go. That's interesting. Um, because for me, it's, I never really go, maybe I should send another email or do another post about it. For me, I guess the reaction is always just, and I never thought about this before. The reaction is always just, I should just do a better job next time mm. on the song itself. You know what I mean? I didn't play guitar good enough. I was, I, I think that that's, yeah. I mean, I wanted to say, I think that's the healthy reaction might not be, but I think I agree with you because there's the other side of this social media conversation where people are like, the algorithms are holding me back. And if only, you know, people could hear this stuff, they would like it. But simultaneously, you'll have people that say like, oh, well, nobody likes my music when I post it, but I could post a picture of, you know, my pet and people like that. Mm-hmm. it's like okay it's not the algorithm it's just that nobody cares about your music like <laughs> i am sorry yeah but yeah do better <laughs> i think that if you write music that people can relate with in some aspect it can go like it'll get shared it'll get pushed around yeah if it is good you know like you remember rebecca black's friday yeah yeah like that's not a great song, but it's it was relatable to a certain demographic of people and yeah. it blew up. Yeah. You know, the, she didn't have any there was no 
algor- algorithmic. That's not how do you algorithmic algorithmic strategy <laughs> that fourteen year old Rebecca Black had yeah. on YouTube. You know, it was just uh, that's actually a really fascinating story. If you ever are bored. And like, there's a video that I saw on YouTube about the story of that song. Like how, how it blew up? Yeah, it's really, really cool. But um, anyways, yes, writing good music, I think, is the most important thing. And I'm on that side of things now where over the years, especially over the past three or four years where social media has become so much more relevant, like to the point that it's like you can't even argue it. Mm-hmm. Um. In releasing music in so many different bands and doing the same thing for each project. Cause like I'm kind of band daddy and I'm always the, the one that creates the, I do all the like graphic design or the flyer stuff. And like, I'm the one that's usually posting everything. So I'm doing this for three different projects at the same time, usually a similar things, you know, like making sure the promos look good, making sure the album artwork looks a certain way, Mm -hmm. making sure the music quality control. Right. And some things do really, really well and some things don't. And I'm not like, you know, I don't have, there's no like secret sauce of the only real variable is the actual content at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And okay. It's like, well, there are people that like Greywalker. There are people that like heavy metal and we have found that target demographic. And then for like Sykes and New Violence, it's like, nobody likes this, but like, I don't even know who the fuck I'm writing music for at the time. You know, it's like, who, who wants to listen to this? I have no idea. I like it. Cause I'm a weirdo, but like, who do I market this to? I have no idea, but I, it's, I just try to figure it out. Just try to make things better. Try to like, okay, maybe let's scale back the, the wackiness of what's in my head and try to make something that people can actually like digest yeah. instead of being like, Basically, like Sykes and New Violence. This is ranch dressing on ice cream. Want to try? <laughs> and people were like, eh, I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah. Well, for this, um, for this Anacrony EP that I did, I kind of, kind of did something similar in that I wanted to address these things that happened or were happening in my life, like personal things that were happening to me. But I wanted to talk about them. It's, it's strange. Like I wanted to like work through these things and these feelings and emotions, et cetera. But I didn't want to write a song that was just specific to me and just specific to that, you know, incident that yeah. I was talking about. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of, it was kind of cool to, to be like writing something that is getting my emotions out, but trying to say it in a way that is not super specific in a way that people could relate to it if they heard it. Like it's, it's specific enough to myself, but general enough for other people to maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, resonate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I think that over the years, that's something I've tried to become a little bit more aware of as well. I think that, you know, when you're becoming a songwriter and you're into introspective, transparent, vulnerable music, you find that you want to write music like that as well. But it takes some time I think to understand that like the reason why you were able to connect with the music that you did was because it wasn't written from some obnoxiously selfish viewpoint. But when you're starting to write and get your feelings out, it's really easy to make it too personal to be too selfish. Yeah. And like actually, uh, in in lieu of negative reviews and local press, yeah. uh, the first Sykes and the New Violence album got reviewed by the Pittsburgh City paper. 
And the quote that the guy said was that it was painfully self-deprecating. Oh, no. <laughs> so I actually printed that out on the sticker, like for the albums that like I took to stores that said painfully self-deprecating Pittsburgh City paper oh my God. on the front of the album. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean bad idea but like you know i was kind of like fuck you yeah, you know yeah. but i i definitely like those whether that writer realizes it or not like i did take it to heart not in a bad way i was just like you know what they probably have a point like let me what what am i saying here like what am i objectively saying here mm-hmm. read it try to take myself outside of my shoes i'm like jesus christ yeah like i wouldn't want to hang out with this fucking guy yeah and it's me yeah so I think, yeah, finding ways to write music that is written from a personal experience, but isn't so like inside, like, like, like the inside story. Like you don't need to know the characters of my story. Yeah. So the, the single, the one that I sent you, we are passing. So that was, I mean, I'll just say it. The song is about trans feelings, about growing up and then eventually like coming out and stuff like that. But I wanted to write that song and work through that but not use the word trans in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so that it's just a song about a struggle that you overcome with the help of people that care about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the struggle, I guess I never really mention it, but it, it does mean something specifically to me, but I think it's relatable to other people. They can put whatever um, struggle they have onto that song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I tried to do that with the, the, the songs on the EP. For both of them, you know, I think with, you know, again, just being just being vulnerable as a songwriter, it's it's a lot. And I think it's probably a lot, you know, in terms of like, not only are you trying to get these feelings out lyrically, but musically as well and finding a way to make all of that come together in a way that like you're happy with like how do i process all of this not necessarily i mean there's probably some negativity to it but there's also there was you know a light at the end of the tunnel that's like a lot of positivity that you work towards and like how do you get all of that and like i feel like thinking about the song like i can hear all of that because there is the chaos the uncertainty and like the the release at the end yeah yeah it's really cool thanks yeah that um I just try. I just tried to write that song in like um, in sections, meaning like um, how, like how it feels to be closeted, how it feels to come out um, for the first time to you know to someone you care about, and then like the after effects of that. And it turns out everything's fine. <laughs> sure. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that you know it's there's something with with life and you know i always take comfort to some degree in the sense of like you know i feel like i'm a fairly good judge of character and the people that are in my close circle are people that you know they wouldn't be here if they weren't people that i couldn't trust Mm -hmm. but there is always those things where sometimes you know you may feel a certain way about something or just what something happens where it's like, you know, you don't know if those people are going to have your back, but they normally do because, you know, over a certain amount of time, we've all had shitty people in our lives and we learn how to detect it 
you know, for better or I guess for better to detect it, but it just for what it sucks that you even have to detect it. Um, and finding that, uh, yeah, the people, people are typically genuinely not that bad as long as you are very, very aware of like the environment and the surroundings that like you put yourself in. I'm not, I'm not good at saying these sort of things <laughs> out loud, but I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Just environment. I think environment is everything. And um, it can be hard because like, you know, in, I was, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, in terms of like coming up in alternative subcultures that like attract not the best people all the time because it's like, yeah, cool. Punk rock yelling, angry or hardcore heavy metal. And like, yeah, like I'm covered in tattoos and like, fuck the rules and stuff. It's like, and like me personally trying to come to terms with like, Oh, I like obnoxiously immature things, but I grew up. Yeah. And there's a <laughs> lot of people in this scene that are never going to grow up. And now I have to wrestle with that because I don't want to leave this scene, but I also have to deal with some real fucking turds. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. I think it just comes back to the, I don't know, just do you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's so strange. And too, like being like a, a vocalist in a heavy metal band, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like heavy metal in a lot of ways for me. It's like like superheroes where it's like, this shit is for kids. Sure. Like, you can <laughs> like it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. But this is really for like the angsty teen. Punk, hardcore, metal, a lot of that, like finding maturity in it, it exists. But there's a lot of it that is obnoxiously adolescent. And as you enter your 30s, like I have, it's like, well, how much longer do I want to contribute to this adolescent bullshit? It's like part of me and who I am. It's in my DNA. But like, why am I here? I don't I don't know. You don't have to answer that question. I'm just having like an existential crisis. It's it's actually funny because I feel like a lot of this conversation so far has been asking ourselves introspective questions, but to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Why do I feel this way, Brian? (laughs) You know, like that's just been the whole conversation. I think that it really comes down to um you know, our, our passion, like I think we're passionate, both passionate about songwriting and music in general, whether or not we're creating it or digesting it from somebody else. And none of us are getting any younger. And, you know, as life goes on, there are other things that just come into play where it's like, I, 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 you know, I've, I've been spending pretty much literally all of my free time working on mixing this album another album, another album that nobody asked for. And like, I'm staying up till two, three, four in the morning when I got work, just mixing Yeah, and do. And then like, there's times where it's like, why? It's like, I know that I'm doing this because I want to do it, but why am I this selfish? You know, I, I've been thinking about that, that a lot too. And I guess what I've come to come the conclusion i've come to is that it doesn't really matter i mean not to get too dark but we're really only on we're only here for a finite amount of time sure. you know yeah if we just just spend that shit doing shit that makes you like excited that gets you happy it's like it's, you're not it's not really like i don't think i would call call it selfish it's just you're doing something that you enjoy you enjoy making this art you enjoy making this yeah. album and it's helping you pass four hours in a way that you're like happy 
So I don't think there's, I don't think there needs to be much more to it other than that. And of course, like as we mentioned before, we just want someone to say good job, you know? (laughs) So that's the whole aspect of putting your everything into this art or to this album or something and then putting it out on the internet and hopefully someone will say good job. You know, I I don't think it has to be that real in terms of like why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's just fun to do. So just do it. (laughs) You know, it's like I made the status today, this Facebook status about um, a BMW. So I'm driving a BMW right now as a rental um, and like proof (laughs) like it's a (laughs) rental like i scratched up my real car and now i'm just renting that for a while and i've been driving it like fuck this car rules (laughs) like i want a bmw and i think that like with some careful maneuvering i might be able to actually lease one because it's not that much more expensive to lease a bmw than it is to pay for my civic and i'm thinking like that'd be cool but then i think about the optics of it showing up to um, like Glove World or just like some house show <laughs> in a fucking BMW, you know? And people were like, who is this bitch? Like, are you kidding me? But then I thought like... <laughs> but then I thought like, who fucking cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just want to drive a BMW. Like, that'd be cool. Like, it's not that real. So to circle it back, just write your damn album and like mix it at three in the morning because it's just what you want to do. It's not yeah. that real. Yeah, I think that there's that's another unfortunate thing from the alternative community. And one of the things that took me a long time to shake off because like, sure, there is this idea that I can agree with with you in terms of like capitalism's hella weird, but also like selling yourself short as an artist or as a human being is like criminal. And I think there's a thing that a lot of like the DIY bands fuck up in terms of like oh, you know, this isn't about the money or like, you know, we're going to put a lot of money into this thing and give away merch or just do these things. And it's like, okay, you could do that if you want, but then don't be like, oh, there's no place to grow. We can't tour. We can't do all this stuff when it's like the opportunities are there, Mm -hmm. but there's the optics that people I think are so like everybody wants to be like more DIY than the next Mm -hmm. person and everybody's afraid to like make money or let people know that they have money in the scene but it's like what's wrong with having a van or having a safe way to transport your gear actually having a case for your pedals or even nice gear or having nice gear Yeah. yeah it's like if you are passionate about this stuff you shouldn't let other people be like oh well like you know why it's like you know like I don't know how to word it because now my brain's thinking like how different the worlds are where like, you know, maybe in some DIY cultures where if like a band has stuff that's too nice, they may get looked at as being like fancy. Mm -hmm. But then like in the heavy metal world where it's like, if you don't have nice gear, it's like people will like ridicule you. And it's like, that's not fair. Let them work with what they have. I'm like somewhere in the middle. I'm like you, like if you want to drive a BMW, drive the BMW. If you want to, sell a t-shirt for 20 bucks sell it for 20 bucks if you have a nice gear you have nice i don't yeah why are we worried about this yeah i think some of that comes back to like i I don't really know how to put this like whatever is important like uh morally to the people within that scene like so like i don't know i guess a lot of people that i like play music with like other band like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. people that i play music with like there's like 
you know, we're super anti-capitalist and like anti-capitalism and shit like that. Um, so when you see somebody who shows up to a show with like a $3,000 like science amp or something like yeah. that, you know what I mean? With like a $2,000 guitar, you're, you sort of side, side eye them a little bit and say like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's a little sketchy. Everybody has like, vans on or whatever you know everybody's contributing in their own way right and like side-eyeing you while they're drinking a mountain dew yeah like and i think yeah i think it's just like kind of like a fundamental like misunderstanding of what it means to be anti-capitalist like it doesn't i mean capitalism is something very specific it's 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 someone who owns the some sort of means of production most of the time a billionaire who owns or a group of billionaires who own fortune 500 companies and they exploit the labor of the working class people yeah and take their surplus value it doesn't uh, capitalism does not mean owning a nice fucking guitar (laughs) you know what i mean sure oh you you own a thirteen hundred dollar jaguar you capitalist like no like this person is still working class there's they're still going to work and being their exploit they're exploited. Their surplus value is being taken from them, like stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it's that relevant to our conversation, but I, I don't know. Sometimes I think side eyeing is like, I don't know. It's not that real. Just like, I don't know. If someone wants to spend two thousand dollars on an, an amp, and they have the means to because they've worked fifty hours goddamn week for like the sure. last like eight months. Like, sure. I don't know. Just like stop being mean. Just let yeah, people I, live. I'm very, very. I'm I'm a very firm believer in like. You know, there are, (laughs) there's a lot of better things that you could put that energy towards if you really want to make a difference. And you had mentioned it before, you know, we're only here for a limited amount of time. Life's too short, you know, do what makes you happy. So long as it's not harmful to others. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah, do, do. Do what makes you happy. Be kind to people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't feel like that's asking for too much. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I brought this up uh, recently on, on another episode. I can't remember who it was with, but I know the the idea of like empathy. In, and uh, I used to say that it's so much easier just to be nice to people. Like, I feel like it's it's really difficult to be an asshole. Yeah. So why would you be an asshole? Yeah. Shannon says it costs nothing to be nice. <laughs> but I disagree with that now. In what way? I feel in order to be nice, you have to have empathy and understanding for other people to some degree and understanding yourself. Like you got to sometimes, you know, to really be kind to somebody, like you need to make a compromise with yourself to show that kindness. And I think it's really hard for some people to like face that kindness and to like understand that maybe like my feelings aren't correct in this situation or maybe like, you know, cause if you feel like you have to be nice, there's usually some sort of an inner conflict because normally you're just nice. But if you're in a situation like, Oh, I should probably be nice. It's like that requires empathy, but that's not like a, and every, every circumstance is different. But to some, for, in some circumstances, I think that's pretty much it. I think it's just kind of easier to like brush people aside because then you don't have to deal with those feelings. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's kind of one nice thing about COVID is that you don't have to deal with those things a lot because, <laughs> or at least personally, I don't have to deal with those feelings and seeing other people a lot because uh, I have like, you know, like the social anxiety and stuff. And I don't know. 
I just like am at home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also work literally by myself, second shift, like night shift by myself. And I come on. So I'm not like seeing a lot of people. So I don't have to, I don't have to deal with like worrying about am, am I being nice enough to others or am I being perceived in the way that I want to uh, people to perceive me or mm-hmm. like things like that. So that, that's, that's one positive of COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more that we could get into. We've been chatting for a lot longer than I realized. We're about an hour 20. Oops. Quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. So before we wrap up at least the recorded part of this portion, because sure. we could probably sit here and, you know, question each other's feelings and why we're on planet earth for the next you know four and a half hours um what do you want to tell the people before we go um well the the single we are passing is going to be up streaming november 6th okay so i'm excited for all my friends to hear it and it's a song i'm really excited about and i think it's i think it's good i think it's better than anything anna karina has done before and um I don't know. I feel good about it. I think it sounds cool. And uh, I'm excited for people to hear it. Cool. You should definitely all check that out. People of the internet, it is Brian approved. I think that it is quite a lot, but in a good way. And I think that was probably the intention. I don't think this was supposed to be like, oh, here's a cute little song. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really cool. It sounds great. The production, the mixing, everything's really, really cool on it. And yes, I got to do an outro, I suppose. (laughs) And that is all, folks. Chloe, thank you for being here. Thank you. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And that is a podcast. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) 